I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Did you first play? I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Good morning, campers. Welcome once again to Napalm in the Morning, Black Op, a Napalm Mini. Blackberry. We're hitting it right to White House Plumbers, second ep yeah. drops. Second episode. Yeah. And uh, I'm Matt, Eric's here, and uh, I believe resident guy on the couch from Half Baked is also here, Michael Van. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm, and I'm so excited to see how this all works out. Yeah, with that, with that, with that uh, sweater, you're ru- really transitioning into the dude hard now. Like, yeah, I mean, like it's it's basically there. Like all the pieces well, that, are there. That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> hey, uh, so um, yeah, episode two. Uh, should we uh, should we jump into it? Yeah, let's let's first. We have a uh, uh, a very special. This is for our friend, my friend, and yours, uh, G. Gordon Liddy. Sorry you can't hear this well, Michael. It's a good, sick jam. Could use more gated reverb. Mm, Possibly. Okay, we did not want to let our friend G. Gordon Liddy down, so we have a German beer this week. <laughs> Kronbacher. Kronbacher pills. So, uh, yeah, pretty good. Light, fresh for a nice warm summer, almost summer evening. Yeah, besides uh, the entire Pacific Ocean, Mike, what are you drinking over there? Uh, yeah, I drank a little bit of the Pacific today. Um, I got another Coors Light. It's Adolf, you know, it, it, again, yeah. it's a little homage to uh, some of G. Gordon Liddy's favorite boys. And uh, I think I'm actually going to get to make some connections to uh, some other um, Germans uh, who may have uh, resettled in uh, Adolf, Latin America. Adolf Gord- and and doubling down on his anti-Bud Light stance, uh, yeah. famously. Well, and Michael. Peter Kors probably has some overlap <laughs> in terms of uh, policy with like a G. Gordon Liddy type. So um, yeah. policy preferences. Yeah. So. I think it works. So we're going to do a brief play-by-play, and then we will interrupt the play-by-play of the episode. Hopefully you've seen it, and then we will provide some uh, extra special historical context and everything for you as we go. Yeah, and so um, where should we, do, you want, do you want me to hit up some Dita Beard stuff? Uh, uh, do you want to? Well, it op- yeah, it opens with her just typing out some uh, illegal shit about ITT and the campaign. I guess we can just cover that now, shall we? Yeah. Uh, Who's it? Lita Ford? <laughs> Kathleen Turner playing uh, um, Dita Beard. Dita Beard is a was great. That, no, was that Kathleen Turner? Yes, that was Kathleen Turner. Yeah. Sex bomb of the 80s. That is correct, sir. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, <laughs> uh, Dita is a, is, a, is a lobbyist for the International Telephone Telegraph Company, which has become a massive conglomerate. Um, Mike, you did some snooping around in the files there. What? Uh, oh, I know some things about ITT. 
uh, International Telephone and Telegraph, <laughs> uh, founded by Lieutenant Colonel Sanders Ben, uh, born in the British Virgin Islands, yet served in the American military, attained the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, he and his brother made nice. early phone company acquisitions in Puerto Rico, Cuba, Spain, uh, showing, uh, I think, a theme that we're going to see. I think it's a really important subtext for this episode, these aspects of American empire, particularly in the Caribbean and, and greater Latin America. They also had Belgian yeah, and German hold, holdings, and uh, Colonel Ben uh, worked with the Nazis and had several meetings with Adolf Hitler. Mm, By the 1960s, they had, yeah, well. Awkward. <laughs> but the, again, a pattern. We're going to see a pattern. Uh, they had big holdings in uh, Brazil in the early 60s and probably played a role in the coup against Joao Goulart oh, in the early 70s. Yes, in the early 70s, they owned some 70% of the Chilean telephone company. And boy, did they not like Allende. And um, uh, they had some $200 million in investments in Chile. And so they um, they offered, uh, well, they, they gave 350000 to one of Allende's opponents. That didn't work. And so they offered, a th- excuse me, a million dollars to the CIA to get rid of Allende. But the uh, CIA was able to do that on their own without their um, hmm. their. They didn't uh, need their money. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, another company that played a role there is Anaconda Copper. Ah, that's uh, uh, my stage name. Great band. Well, again, let's get into a little bit of my family history because this is my oh, goal to uh, oh, reorient. Here we this. go. I don't know. I don't know anything about American history, but I'll tell you about my family. My great grandfather, uh, John Gilly, I bear I bear his middle name, which was a real curse. The middle name Gilly, uh, growing up on an island in the 70s with a name that sounds too much like <laughs> Gilligan. Um, he was one, of, not a founder, but one of the uh, early engineers and, and high level uh, execs at Anaconda Copper in at the turn of the century and um, owned the first automobile uh, in the state of Montana okay. and was a, a, a copper baron. And um, years ago, there's still only collector, like four of those, I think. Years ago, a gun collector contacted me who had a crank um, that uh, had been my grandfather's or great grandfather's. He wanted to verify that it was his, and he said, "You know, I don't, I don't know why a civilian would have this gun." It's like, yeah, you know, he worked for Anaconda Copper in Montana in the early 20th century. I don't know what. Do you know about the Wobblies and what they were up to? So, so you're telling um, me that there's a military and an industrial complex that's related? In my family? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> oh, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. But uh, so Anaconda Copper played a role. And um, yeah, they, on uh, 9-11, 1973, 9-11. Uh, Allende was overthrown and, uh, and murdered mm. um, with uh, funding from Anaconda Copper and ITT. And in revenge, the weathermen bombed uh, the ITT New York office a few weeks later. And um, little uh, uh, little footnote to that: uh, one of one of the weathermen, the, or the two weathermen, the Ayers brothers. Um, one of them, Rick Ayers, not Obama's you know buddy. No, no, but his brother mm-hmm. sent me an email not so long ago. Big fan of a little book called. The Great Hanoi Rat. Hey! <laughs> I was hoping so, I, for I, a I split second family, you were going to say the my podcast. Book, <laughs> my work is done here. <laughs> well, I mean, and for our, for our listeners, like a lot of the a lot of this revolves around um, in national liberation movements, um, 
nationalizing industries, national industries, oil industries, telephone industries. These were these were extractive colonial constructions and post-independence, those had remained in sort of the colonial hands by other means. Um, and so bummer. To, to get to get their countries back on the ground, they wanted. Hey, maybe we should oil. We should own the oil resources of you know uh, of, of Iran, or maybe we should own um, copper and uh, you know t- the the telephone, the munitions works, and and so the nationalizing of those industries set off the kind of um, the the alarm bells uh, that that brought in the subversion as foreign policy, um, which is the the sort of de rigueur of of the later half of the 20th century. So yeah, they're totally embedded. Just such amazing background to these two lovable knuckleheads, uh, uh, Liddy and, uh, and Hunt. Yeah. They are kind of lovable in the show. It's really annoying. (laughs) Yeah. The, 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 those, they're total shitheads in real life. Watch there. Like the, the beards, the, the, the hair, the limp, it, it makes me laugh every time. Like they're really playing them. uh, Well, speaking, speaking of beard, who, who is this? Dita Beard. Mm. Hell, uh, of hey. a, hell of a segue there. <laughs> yeah, Matt's familiar. This man should podcast. Matt's familiar with beards. Um, and so, the yeah, a, a lobbyist for ITT, um, you know, you might not know this, Mike, but, uh, you know, uh, politics and business are, are intertwined here in the United States. And, um, yeah, yeah, they sometimes even help write laws. And so um, there, was a, there was an investigation um, – uh, on on IT and T with I forget which bureau um, where that was taking place and it was suggested that well if they gave they hold they held shares in Sheraton I think ITT did as well like hey basically let's give up um, basically let's swap you drop this investigation for the Republican National Convention we'll give you a bunch of free um, hotel rooms and like bang bang boom and um, four four hundred thousand dollars in hotel rooms good old say that how far does that go in san diego what's the san diego dollar in 1972 that's a long way it's a lot of hotel rooms that's, that's a lot of hotel rooms at the sheraton too the 72 can the 72 convention is is infamous for it's the it, it brought the um kind of full televised like slick produced like really thought about as a crazy marketing exercise externally not just happening and sort of at the convention it was Super the the kind of the where the the sort of ugly <laughs> CPAC or these other these other you know produce that 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 I think its origin story is right here um, and so the yeah um, Dita is yeah played pretty pretty well by uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah your favorite Kathleen Turner um, yeah technically Dita von Tess technically her job is uh, special assistant to uh, Bill Merriam the ITT VP and head of the Washington office. And that's who she writes the memo to. Uh, one friend described Dita Beard as uh, she's one of the boys, talks like a man in a poker game. The ITT vice president for public relations, quote, she has the vocabulary of a drill instructor in the Marines. Uh, <laughs> another time she was at a like, Republican Party function and somebody, some you know man stood up and used some curse word. And then noticed she was there and said, oh, I apologize. I didn't realize there is a lady in the room. And she said, um, there's no ladies here. It's fine. Uh, so that's a little bit like a kind of insight on sort of how she kind of talks. And I think uh, Kathleen Turner does a nice job of sort of yeah, recreating some of that in the uh, show. And do you remember, how did she end that memo? 
Like she types into the memo something like, uh, yeah. Well, we have, burn this uh, shit I, I, we have more, we can come back to the memo okay. cause I got more on that later coming up. Um, let's cut to Miami, 1972 hunt and Liddy meet with some, uh, as Ringo Starr might say, women of the night. Right. Uh, proposing their plan to have them uh, bust some Democrats at the Democratic Convention, which is upcoming in Miami. Um, but I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed their game, like trying to impress the uh, <laughs> the, the sex workers with uh, with how important they yeah. were. He was in the Bay of Pigs, like yeah, or uh, yeah. yeah. It was so funny. Like no, Gu- Guata- I think I think they referenced Guatemala, right? Or maybe yeah, I can't remember what they. Yeah, yeah. yeah he references mm-hmm. uh, that he got um, that he allowed our Benz to get out of uh, Guatemala in fifty in fifty three, mm-hmm. and and then what's yeah. the big brag? <laughs> what's, right. How do they really try to impress him? Uh, and they don't even it doesn't land. That's pretty great. A musician, Che Guevara. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. They, so he, <laughs> Hunt supposedly got sent his hands uh, after Che was uh, killed. Bolivia. Yeah. Yeah. And again, for, for me, this is another one of these links to American empire because Che's also in Guatemala in 53 and, and fled to Mexico city de Efe with our bands where he then met Raul and, uh, and Fidel and joined uh, the July 26th movement. And then when uh, Che's killed after his various adventures, he's killed by the CIA and the Bolivian military you know who else was involved in the killing of Che Guevara? Castro. Klaus, Bar- Klaus Barbie. Klaus Barbie? Klaus Barbie, the Nazi, the butcher of oh. uh, Lyon. Um, uh, he's, he's been down in Bolivia for uh, a couple decades at that point. And, um, you know, they, they disappeared his body, Che's body. They had cut off his hands. That's true. And then when I was in graduate school, I had a Labrador. Uh, who I named Che, after one of my historic heroes, right? And uh, I, I remember working on my dissertation and listening to NPR, and they kept having stories about Che's bones. They found Che's bones. And every time NPR or the BBC would say Che's, Che's bones, my Labrador would poke his head up looking for <laughs> Che's bones. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... um... <laughs> the uh... but so the, yeah, the, the intersections of Empire, Latin America, and these fucking nazis yeah every time you turn around nazis there's another interesting link with hunt he uh i guess arbenz went to czechoslovakia for a while and then came back to i'm forgetting which country now in south america but hunt was uh like head cia station in mexico city chief yeah when he comes back and arbenz is like his neighbor when he came back and hunt was hunt was the post director for william f buckley uh who who was in the cia for one year um, and uh, stationed in in Mexico City, and Howard Hunt was his, and he he's his uh, godfather to, to to Buckley's children. Well done, um, fantastic. Yeah, it's all it's all a crazy. So the scene flow. the scene is really good, and they're like total buddy buddy in the scene and yucking it up with each other. And Liddy ends it with a bang, of course, with his famous hand in the flame trick, which imp- always impresses the ladies. Um, so that's wait, why, why are they? T- why, why do we cover why they're talking to the uh, to the ladies? Oh, be, for to hire them and yeah. their friends uh, to bust the Democrats. Remember a time convention. when you could shame politicians with things like this, and and they would, you know, it would, it would be the end of their career. Like those were adorable times. Like, um, yeah. So they're they're, they're they they want to get them on a yacht and 
All the cocaine Correct. you can Prob- snort. All the cocaine and champagne and then uh, two-way cameras. Didn't, didn't somebody go down in the 80s for being on a on a boat with a... Uh, who, who was that? Gary Hart. Gary, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah was, no. that, was that out of Miami, too? I don't know where where though that was where that took place. Um, that was eighty eight, right? No, was it? well, because wasn't he going to be the nominee and then he lost it and then Dukakis won after that for the Democratic Party. Maybe I'm remembering. Wrong. For I was podcast, I was guys. seven, yeah. so I don't really know. Um, I, was, I wasn't. Mike, was you were forty six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, we are at Creep Headquarters now. Uh, Liddy has a gun with him, uh, German, of course, and just like our beer, and yep. we get to meet... We uh, say Creep, it's a great committee to reelect the president. It's yeah. Great, uh, it's a great acronym. Real cro- quick on Creep. Should I do it? Yeah. Sure. Fundraising arm of Nixon's 72 re-election campaign, originally called the Citizens Committee to Re-elect the President. Attorney General John Mitchell, he was actually Nixon's campaign manager in 1968. He's tapped to serve as the campaign director. The first office of Creep was opened in 1971, and I think that's the office that some of this action that we're seeing here is taking place in. Jeb Magruder served as the acting director until Mitchell stepped down from his position as attorney general uh, in 1972. Magruder then becomes the deputy campaign director. I have a little more on Magruder in a moment. This is run independently from the RNC. There are three divisions of Creep. Administrative, Citizens, and Political. The Administrative Division ran an in-house advertising agency, which is called the November Group, and that was not the norm. Usually an outside firm would be hired. This was new, a new thing. The Citizens Group was focused on different voter blocks, so it could be labor or ethnic or business or veterans or Spanish, for example. Those are their terms. Uh, And then the political is divided up into different regions. Now, Jeb Magruder, just very briefly, he's a businessman turned political operative for the Republican Party, served as ward chairman for Eric, your friend and mine, Michael Van. I don't think you like him, Donald Rumsfeld, his congressional campaign <laughs> in 1962, which he won. So that was in Illinois. Well done. Uh, he hopped around a bit in business and politics. He thought Goldwater is too extreme. Uh, he was gravitated more toward Nixon, worked for Nixon's campaign in California, 67 and 68. He was appointed deputy director of White House Communications in 69. Begins working for Creep in 71 as, again, acting director. Post-election, he heads up the inaugural planning, and then this is getting ahead of ourselves a bit. Shit starts at the fan, 1973 for him. So that's creep. There so, you are. So so Jim Magruder was a creep. He he was a weirdo. What 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 the hell am I doing here? I don't I don't belong here. That is true. You don't. Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Hey, have you ever heard? Sing it. Have you great 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 <laughs> moments in podcast humor? <laughs> oh, Lakewood Country Club. Howard Hunt is a member. Brings the ladies oh, oh, for a nice Aloha evening night. out. Aloha. Oh, it's Aloha, Aloha night. night. It's Aloha night. Lu- Lu- Luau night. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, yeah, lots of lays. Everybody's saying Aloha. The, the, this play- Empire. 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 This is the Empire episode. Is this a White Lotus tie-in again? Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, the first season of that takes place in Hawaii, so. <laughs> we need we need the White Lotus uh, soundtrack to uh, just hit every now and then. The, uh, 
you know, again, and again, this plays out something that, that is, they bring up a little in the series, but it's true for Hunt. Like, there are some class issues in terms of, like, which country club are you at Chevy Chase? Are you at this club? So, like, he was he was not part of the, you know, super moneyed uh, coming up. And so there there's a bit of that um, tension and that, that I don't know if the, the, the audience catches it, but that's part of, you know, but he's, he seems to be established here at this club. They know, yeah. And, they know his table and he's and more established like. than Liddy because it seems like Liddy might be interested in joining, but he's kind right. of, and that Liddy actually comes, his family comes from like a lot of money. Like he grew up like in the depression, but he still had like live in servants and stuff in his house. So Liddy, Liddy did, Liddy did. So he comes yeah. Yeah. from money and he's financially, you know, not, He's not poor, but he's not yeah. like nearly as well off as you know his family was, or or the hunts are doing. It seems like. Um, but but help help me out here, guys, because I really don't know much about American history. This is only 1972. Yeah. How it, Saturday Night Live isn't even on the air yet. How are they naming things after Chevy Chase? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. Well, revisionist history. I mean, because because uh, that the um the, the golf movie isn't even out yet. Yeah, well, the golf movie. <laughs> after greeting essays, what's, what's, what's the golf? What's the golf movie called? What? Caddyshack. With the, Caddyshack, the golf movie. Well, after all of us have graded essays now, uh, we know that from our students that sort of time is a flat. So anything that happened before 1980 basically happened at the same time. Um, mm. So yeah, maybe that me, 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 medieval time is. Uh... <laughs> As uh, um, Benedict Anderson told us in Imagine Communities. Uh, yeah. So um, the, 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 there's the, the kids. I think I'm going to like these kids. The, the Hunt's hit kids are two kind of them. Of yeah. High losers. Um, yeah. The two the two uh, were there and they're pretty funny. Um, Very stoned. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we did the, the Timothy Leary. Was that a reference? Or there's a reference. Yeah. No, there's a reference in uh, to. Timothy Leary, Liddy says he busted him. So I had to, of course, double check this. Yes, he did arrest him. 1966 at Hitchcock Estates in Millbrook, New York. Leary kind of hung out there and did um, research on LSD uh, for like five years. Um, among people to stay there were Allen Ginsberg and Charles Mingus. Hell yeah, some good jazz. Um, Leary lived there from 63 to 68. He was then evicted and moved to California. But, yes, he was busted by Liddy. They did a speaking tour Wait. together in the early 80s, Leary and Liddy. Oh, when when oh, did dear. Leary wind up in, in Algiers? I don't know. He winds Not up sure. in Algiers at some point, and the, uh, the FLN leadership uh, gets really annoyed with him really fast. Oh, can you imagine all those guys like <laughs> Ginsburg, Leary, like just moving around? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, they uh, – uh, Hunt Hunt's wife, um, you know, former CIA, or is she is she currently in the CIA in this? Or she, they have not she made was. it clear, not clear yet in yeah. the show, but they've um, kind of hinted at it. I don't know, Eric. Are you ever former CIA? I don't. That's a good question. Is it is, Eric? Once in, always. In. I don't <laughs> like. What, what, what I don't like the. Tell us about I don't that. like the aspersions being cast here. Um, <laughs> it's like. Uh, it's like you you, you, ne you never you never call someone an ex-marine. That's a fighting word because they're always a marine. Yeah, simplify. All right. So, um, uh, Hunt's wife. Yeah, she. Um, um, there's a kind of there's kind of like some social politics they go into the the you know the 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 n-word waiter um, and uh, yeah and then oh, the daughter. Oh, no, wait, didn't they, sticking didn't up. they float one of their their plans? Oh, kidnapping hippies. 
Yes. <laughs> and what, what what does one do with kidnapped hippies? Yeah, I can't imagine. Well, they actually go into this later. Um, they don't explain okay. the plan super well at this point. But so one of the gemstones? Or yeah. The, yeah. Hunt's wife kind of poo-poos <laughs> the idea, thinks it's not very good. Um, Hunt's daughter sticks up for a waiter, Eric said, who's, who's called the N-word by one of the, I guess, guests, I'm assuming, um, that that is there. Mem- they're members. Member, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, You're a member of a country well, I've club. I've never been be it, a be, member. It, be it in Chevy Chase or John Belushi um, or what have you. Does not go well for her. Uh, everybody, they're very apologetic. Uh, the hunts are, and she is uh, kind of removes herself from the situation. Uh, and then Hunt informs is informed that he is four months late on payments to the club. So we get a little sense that financially, maybe things are a little sticky for him. Yeah, yeah, a bit tight and... Um you know, and again, the, another theme attracting to this is, is Hunt will see his career as plateaued ever since, especially Bay of Pigs and some of the failures um, that he has been part of. And so this is his chance to sort of some of the overcorrection maybe is in is in that here. Should we get on to the uh, the sort of the great um, one of my favorite parts of this, the the plan presenting the plan, sort of the blue sky, as it were, uh, presentation <laughs> presentation to, the, to John Mitchell. Yeah. OK, yeah. so I. I Incredible poster. I got a little. I got a little game for uh, um, for you guys. What is your What is your favorite? What is your favorite gemstone? Is it um, kidnapping protesters outside Republican National Convention? Project Diamond. Is it a spy plane? Project Emerald. Is it the yacht in Miami? Uh, Project Crystal. Uh, Project Opal, which includes the uh, um, Democratic offices, uh, Watergate. So you got you got you got kidnapping. Protesters, spy plane, the Miami yacht, and then your your. I like the yacht. I think that's the... was was it wasn't there. Yeah, wasn't there one of giving um uh, democratic swag to all the homeless people? <laughs> was that, I don't even know because there protesters? are so many other <laughs> things that happen too. Like the guy that attempted to assassinate uh, George Wallace, they planted. Um, musky i think it was musky literature in his apartment so the press would report oh he was a democrat um so and that doesn't even fall under this umbrella of plans there's like so many (laughs) of these freaking things it's just totally that's in the dirty dirty tricks bag yeah yeah so which which one did you pick matt i picked the yacht yacht. you get the hookers and the cocaine Yeah. yeah um yeah, that's that's tough the, to pass. The spy plane is cool. I don't I don't know. I I, I find them all to be righteous gemstones. <laughs> HBO, send me the check. Send me the check. Yeah. Do you work for big HBO? <laughs> yeah. Big Max. I don't know X CIA. <laughs> you never X. So they have these amazing posters made for each of the different plans, um, which are all kind of very, very larger than life sort of um. On one of them, the kidnapping the hippie poster, uh, it looks like, and I wasn't uh, sure, but it looked like there was Abby Hoffman, Dennis Hopper, and Pigpen from the Grateful Dead on the poster, but it didn't exactly look like them, but they looked Matt and I both turned each other like, God, we want these posters. They look so good. They also had German titles on some of the posters. Yeah, little, of course little, they did. Little, little Liddy. Uh. So speaking of Liddy, let's let Liddy explain the really dumb plan, in his own words, to you all. So take a listen to G. Gordon Liddy describing Gemstone. Hunt and I uh, devised the, the entire plan uh, in concert. 
you know, using our mutual backgrounds and experiences. Uh, we sat down, we uh, said, okay, well, what do we want to do and what do we want to get? Well, we want to get political intelligence. Uh, we also want to, if we can, be disruptive. Uh, hence, knowing that it was going to be down in the uh, in Miami, you know, when it would be terribly hot there, we thought, okay, if we sabotage the air conditioning in there, that that's going to make them very uncomfortable, and uh, they'll either make mistakes. Like the passive aggressive uh, plan. <laughs> we were going to have uh, prostitutes try to attract those who were attractable, uh, and get them into a good mood with liquor and what have you, and have them report back to us what they said. We're looking for a typical thing with young men, uh, mid-level responsibility, seeking to impress a pretty girl, would say, well, no, uh, you know, I've really got a very sensitive job, and if you don't think so, you just say, now, tomorrow, such and such is going to happen. You, you, you check, and you'll see that it did. And that kind of, get that kind of information back. In fact, the, the initial plan even had us uh, able to intercept uh, the transmissions from their... Uh, campaign aircraft very well done um let me quote real briefly this is from garrett m graffs his new book watergate a new history uh eric went over some of these but i'm not sure you hit all of these eric so those plans involve specifically equipped surveillance plane kidnappings uh illegal laundered campaign donations sex workers sent to lure democratic power brokers back to the king size bed on a houseboat wiretaps spies galore and not just Watergate, but tap inside the Democratic presidential campaign's headquarters as well. So they didn't quite get to all those, sadly. Um, it's unfortunate. Interrupted. Yeah. Yeah. But that is, uh, that's Operation Gemstone. And uh, wow, it's almost doesn't seem like it's real life, but it was. Yeah, there's 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 really in this era, especially well, and today there's just nothing that is not not believable in the the kind of, yeah whatever whatever crazy you know we gotta come back to the you know meningitis in a in in the wetsuit for Fidel Castro like whatever crazy plan you can concoct like it's a perfect phone call yeah it's a perfect phone call um <laughs> yeah the uh, the the how was that plan received not well not well received by Mitchell Magruder and Dean who were there. Um, Mitchell tells Liddy to burn all the posters. Not some lackey. Take it yourself. Burn those posters. That sucks. Those were cool. Those are great. Can you imagine how valuable those, those are? Those were great posters, yeah. yeah. And did you catch uh, right before the big pitch uh, that Liddy gets the posters from somebody else and like total spy craft yeah, swap that's on true, the street? Too. Like, <laughs> that's totally true. Oh, really? Yeah, that is true. <laughs> That did happen the, on the street. The marketing, like, mm -hmm. why do it on the street? Is like, why? No, that is true. <laughs> why? Because they're bumbling Spy, idiots. Spycraft. I think I, they. Spycraft. Yeah. Good Spycraft. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, so they think they're screwed, basically. Yeah. That they're so, getting turned down, and they're all their hard work. It's gonna go to waste, and it's not gonna happen. But then, uh, th then part of what crucial is this whole ITT business that we'll get into, and and it focuses on. This breathes life into their um, into Lydian Hunt's yes. exploits and efforts. Um, do we want to do we want to uh, listen to some Brit Hume? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we are brought. Um, Walter Cronkite tells us that uh, Jack Anderson, reporter, um, 
reports that ITT has made a secret deal with the Nixon administration and a settlement in an antitrust lawsuit. February 29, 1972 So when that happened. Should I do real quick on Jack Anderson? Yeah, sure. Cool. Syndicated columnist based in D.C. His column was called Washington Merry-Go-Round. At its peak, it appeared in about 1,000 newspapers across the country. He was a longtime uh, bete noir of J. Edgar Hoover. And after years of kind of harassment by the FBI director, he wrote a column titled uh, Hoover's Trash Shows He's Human. And in that column... Quote, we had decided that the 76-year-old G-man should be subjected to some of the same investigative practices he had been using on so many others, i.e., he went through Hoover's trash and reported all the stuff he found in his trash in the newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was wiretapping after reported based on secret cables that the United States favored Pakistan in the uh, Indo-Pakistan War, or the India-Pakistan War. Um. Let me tell. Let me check this memo real quick. This is uh, written by James A. Wilderotter, Associate Deputy Attorney General, January third, nineteen seventy-five. From February fifteenth, this is quoting from the memo. From February fifteenth to April twelfth, nineteen seventy-two, personal surveillances were conducted by the CV- CIA on Jack Anderson and members of his staff. Les Witten, Britt Hume, and Mr. Spear. The physical surveillance consisted only of watching the targets and involved no breaking, enter, or wiretapping. Apparently, the physical surveillance occurred after Jack Anderson's series of tilt-towards-Pakistan stories. The physical surveillance were authorized by Helms, CIA director, and conducted by CIA's Office of Security. Um, So this is an official government document 100% confirming that he was spied on by the CIA. Anderson won a Pulitzer for his investigative work on the topic. He also ended up on Nixon's enemies list for his efforts. Um, There's a lot more to Jack Anderson. He broke Ron Contra. He broke stuff on the spying on John Lennon and a whole lot there. Um, He was a, for a long time, a big deal. Uh, Now, back to the ITT specifically. Let's listen to good old Brit Hume... You know him probably for as the Fox News, as the sensible man on Fox News, the sense, voice of reason of Fox News. Let's take a listen to him. I was working for Jack Anderson, the columnist at the time, and I had done a story for the column about an IT&T uh, subsidiary getting a parking lot concession or some concession at the Kennedy Center, which was then being finished. And that made me sort of, in the loosest sense, the ITT guy in the office. And Jack Anderson got a ton of mail in those days. Just, of course, it was all snail mail. It was all you know, pre-email. And, and, and most of it was, you know, a lot of it was tips that were worthless. A lot of it was crazy mail. A lot of it was just people writing to comment. But you had to look at all of it, because every now and then there'd be a needle in the haystack. And one morning, Opal Ginn, who was Jack's assistant, who handled the mail came in and she put a stack of stuff on my desk and she said you know pointed the one there was one uh, on top she said you might want to take a look at that it was from ITT it was from the ITT office and I opened it up and there was this astonishing memo it was the original ribbon copy of a memo written by a woman named Dita Beard at ITT to her boss in the Washington office of ITT a man named Miriam 
and the memo was all about the about the ITT antitrust cases that were pending in the Justice Department. It was all about the Republican convention, and it carried the unmistakable suggestion that in exchange for support from ITT for the convention in San Diego to the tune of some $400,000, which was justifiable by ITT because they had hotels there, they owned the Sheraton hotel chain, that, that uh, there would be, that would result in a settlement of the antitrust cases in terms that they were, that were favorable to them. And the most famous part of the memo was at the very end of it, it was a postscript, as I recall, that said, please destroy this, huh? <laughs> and there was a little pencil D next to her name on the, it was memorandum form, so it was to, from, and then next to her name was a little d. So that's how it came to mind. I say it fell, sort of fell out of, you know, we don't, and it was a blank envelope, unmarked. We don't know who sent it to us. We never have known, at least I never have. So, yeah, there's Brit Hume. There's more to his story and more to the story, um, but that is the story that kind of gets Hunt and Liddy back in the game. And, and uh, uh, again, the, the memo is, um, you know, the, the, the playbook you see now, which is just immediately deny, that's, of course, what, you know, it's a fake, it's, uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's uh, sort of liberal, liberal uh, dirty tricks, and um, that's, what, that's what they're sort of going with, but the Judiciary Committee holds hearings. Yeah. The memo itself states, uh, paraphrasing from the memo, no one aside from Mitchell Haldeman Nixon and Representative Bob Wilson of California knows about the $400,000. Note ends, quote, I hope, dear Bill, that all this can be reconciled and all of us in this office remain totally ignorant of any commitment ITT has made to anyone. If it gets too much publicity you can believe our negotiations with justice will wind up shot down mitchell's definitely helping us but cannot let it be known please destroy this huh so yes that is the end of the memo i mean it's pretty black and white there uh the memo goes on in much more detail on the specifics of that um who 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 types huh into <laughs> i mean it's typed like who, maybe who maybe, writes, huh? maybe they had a, had a secretary stenographer working for him, and she's like, whatever I huh? So, you know, she's, like, picking up all of the, I don't, that's a good question. Maybe uh, she was just like, no, I think the, we should the, destroy the, it, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, huh? huh? Like, or it, it, or it, it's almost like the Singaporean law, you know? Yeah, yeah. Cannot law. Yeah. Um, destroy this memo law. <laughs> okay, but okay, um, but it, the episode opens with her typing it. Yeah. And she types huh yeah. into it. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a good one. I didn't thought about that. This right. is a fascinating country yeah. you people study. <laughs> fascinating. Um, well, uh, this when the when this when this gets out into the out into the public, of course, um, San Diego is burned. So they're gonna they're gonna have to go to my they're gonna have to go somewhere else. And this is the last time that both parties hold their convention in the same city. 1972, they both hold it in Miami. Happened, I think, four times in Chicago where Seems they like both held idea. them in the yeah. same city. Uh, once in Philadelphia. I think maybe once one other place. But so now it's kind of normal to not do it. But this is, yeah, it's, it's clear. 1972 is the last time it did happen. Um, this is funny. The uh, offhand <laughs> Magruder comment to Liddy to uh, Liddy says, you know, what can I do? And he says, you know, uh, kill Jack. Kill Jack Anderson. Liddy says, uh, "Roger that," and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and then he runs after him, knowing that Liddy might actually just do that. So, so there is an actual story to this. 
like an in-depth full story that I'm wondering if they're going to cover in a future episode. So I'm going to save it for now because I don't want to do a spoiler just in case. But let's just leave that specific thought in your head. Toss it aside. Magruder Magruder also lays hands on Liddy, which proves to be a mistake. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Come back inside or whatever. How did you feel about his uh, submission hold, Mike? Well, I, I thought that was solid self-defense, but yeah. got him, got him in risk uh, control. Yeah, a little key, key yeah. lock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looked like a homeless man on a subway in New York. And uh, yeah, so too soon, way, way too, too soon. soon, way <laughs> too soon. And so suddenly, suddenly, uh, you know, hey, did you know he was arrested before public execution? Then I say, <laughs> yeah, okay. If you have a prior, you're fair game. That's a good point. Yeah. Throw them to the wolves. <laughs> Matt, where Mike and I are shaking our heads. <laughs> well, the, the guy, the guy was an ex-marine. Oh. Yes, the 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 guy who just was. Uh, I think he was just indicted for secondary manslaughter today. So did they indict yeah. him? Yeah. So the um, someone else got indicted this week too. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, just just once though. Hillary, Hillary for her war crimes. <laughs> yeah. so Lock her up. <laughs> J.K. Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, in, indicted and 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 convicted of or of uh, found liable. Found found liable. We yeah. should say no. Sa- Santos. That, that, oh, Santos. Yeah, he dresses like Patty, that he was indicted. Bear yeah. suit wearing. Outfit. Yeah, yeah. He. <laughs> I was listening to George Santos. Um, like every single line of his CV is made up. Like, it's crazy. Like it's wild. Like how, um, yeah, how out of control that guy is. Uh, God bless. And he and uh, still, there's no, and have, and no statement of like, well, we were. It's like, no, well, the justice system needs to play out. You know, we know it was support him. Yeah. Just think what HBO is going to be able to do with all of this. Oh <laughs> yes, yes. Let's start oh. working on the script right now. Yeah, let's write that up. Uh, the daughter, uh, Hunt's daughter, is holed up in the bathroom. She won't come out. There's um, a lot of yelling. It's it's kind of in between, like, disturbing and humorous because the wife uh, yells at one of the daughters, the other kids or whatever, like, don't come out here or whatever. And Hunt yells, like, don't yell at her. And then starts screaming at the door, like, right after that. Like, you know. Um, uh, but then he gets a call. Colson. Colson. He needs help. He needs Hunt to run with the deed of beard thing. They're back, baby. Uh, they they're they're back. And in the there's some we should say there's some discrepancy between, and maybe we we just don't know the actual extent of of that, that Liddy and Hunt had on on beard. Um, it's it's implied. It's probably likely, but it's not. Um, yeah, there's there's. Oh, I have some. I have some years. definitive. Get some good smoking gun. Yeah. Well, uh, let me do a real quick on uh, Colson because he was mentioned and he's going to be a player and we haven't done a dive on him yet. I know they convinced her to go to to, to Denver. Yes, that's for sure. Um, Charles Colson, graduate of Brown, served in the Marines. Law degree from George Washington, nineteen fifty nine. He was a th- he was an he was an ex Marine. Yeah. Served a uh, thirty eight year old lawyer when he joins the White House Special Counsel uh, to the President in nineteen sixty nine. Nixon wrote this about Colson in his memoir. His, quote, instinct for the political jugular and his ability to get things done made him a lightning rod for my own frustrations. So Nixon made him the point man for dirty tricks. 
He ended up serving seven months in prison for obstruction of justice, spoiler alert, related to the Ellsberg breaking case. He became a born-again evangelical in prison. And through that, he again became a highly influential political figure in his post-prison years. Uh, George W. Bush awarded him the President's Citizen Medal in 2008. And he was uh, a, an influential figure in sort of bringing together the evangelical and Catholic conservative wings who, you know, pre-70s was were quite split, um, bringing them more together politically. Uh, so, yeah, still influential figure, even after all the uh, Watergate nonsense. It's amazing how long these ghouls circle around uh, positions of power. Yeah, yeah they're just waiting for the next, like, like, you know, like hunts. You know, they just... Whatever, whatever thing happens, you know, whatever like spectacular failure, they just you just keep circling long enough, and then you, yeah, you can loop in with the dovetail into the next thing. Um, yeah, and so uh, the the Senate uh, committee goes to goes to. You mentioned to, uh, Liddy's got his disguise back on. <laughs> that his Ringo Starr yeah. sort of disguise is really great. And his limp, he's got the... <laughs> so So they convince her, she's supposed to testify the next day at the Senate committee investigating the ITT stuff. And they convince her in the show to not go. And so she kind of fakes a medical issue so she can't testify. She has to go to Denver to get uh, treatment. And the Senate goes... From, oste- from osteopaths. Yeah, the Senate goes after her. Um I read, I was reading one account that the, you know, the, she was kind of staying right near this, like, you know, the most modern, best place you could stay in Denver, like hospital complex and everything. But the place she was staying in was like super seedy. And like the guy said, like, I wouldn't let them clip my nails like there and all this stuff. (laughs) Um, The Senate goes to Denver. uh, uh, Hunt goes to Denver. Convinces Beard to lie in testimony. Right. Ahead of the Senate, yeah. Ahead of the Senate. And that she'll basically be financially taken care of. Uh, quoting from the show, stay loyal to your party, end quote. This is from the, quote, inquiry into the alleged involvement of the Central Intelligence Agency in the Watergate and Ellsberg Matters report. This is from uh, the committee, I think it was Armed Services, that was... Uh, investigating this. All right, so let me read from this committee report. It will be recalled that in 1972, at the time of the Richard Kleindestein confirmation hearings as attorney general, there was considerable discussion and and publicity regarding the authenticity of an ITT memo allegedly written by Dita Beard, Washington ITT representative, which allegedly linked the ITT antitrust settlement with a reported contribution for the benefit of the Republican National Convention that planned for San Diego. Mr. Charles Colson stated that early in March 1972, he received information from Mr. Hunt that the Beard memo could be a forgery, and Mr. Uh, Colson concluded there may be a way of gaining information on the matter through an interview with Mrs. Beard in a Denver hospital where she was undergoing treatment. The arrangements were made, and Hunt, in disguise, the ill-fitting wig, and Edward Warren litter, litter is a like a CIA term for, like, stuff you carry in your pockets to just that doesn't you know basically just looks like whatever random stuff that is not traceable to like a specific person so he is wearing the wig 
visited Mrs. Beard in the Denver hospital to seek her version of the infamous memo. The results were inconclusive. Hunt's story is that the disguise was used to shield his White House identity. Mr. Colson stated he did not order the disguise. It was Hunt's idea. In any event, we had another clear-cut use of CIA equipment to assist the carrying out of purely domestic intelligence gathering mission without the knowledge of the very people who supplied the material. Yeah, let's go on, let's go on record again. The, the CIA is not in the business of, should not be in the midst of domestic spying, and this is, uh, yet, it, yet it does. So, seems pretty clear Hunt did go there, was wearing the stupid wig, the question is the Liddy stuff, um, whether or not he convinced her. I've seen different accounts of that, and she herself has denied that after the fact. You know, she did. but um, So, yeah, a little bit up in the air, I suppose. Yeah, so it, it's, uh, but it, it's, I mean, even even though you, I mean, we're not stupid, there's not, the, the she, she, Claims that it is totally fabricated and it's a lie, and uh, obviously promises were probably made about um, financial retribution, and and uh, yeah, she goes to bat, and then this this makes the uh, this makes the the whole operation challenging to because if that it hinges on that memo, and so if that memo is is uh, claimed to be a fraud, fraud, then it's yes, she yeah. claims it's a fraud. March twenty six, nineteen seventy two, she says it is a forgery. She did not write that. Um, what is this? Ten days later, twelve, April sixth, nineteen seventy-two. She admits to writing the memo. So interesting. Um, but that is not said in the show. That's just said in real life. Did you guys look at the? There was an outtake scene. On, oh, I did not uh, see oh, is the, it the ele- elevator. Is that the one we? I didn't. No, it was a scene where um, she and her daughter are signing the papers at a horse ranch. Oh, and the implication is that this was this was the payoff. Okay. There, there's a whole thing, and it's not covered in the episode, but um, it has to do with like the Kentucky Derby and and the uh, attorney, the nominee to be the new attorney general, Kleinstein, who. She alleges a bunch of stuff without about him and financial things, and he has already been confirmed. And he then says, basically, unconfirm me, so I can go testify about this stuff and say a bunch of this is not true and all this all this stuff. So they do do that. He purges himself when he does that because it then later comes out that it's all true, all the financial stuff. So the fact that it's at the horse, maybe it's hinting at that Kentucky Derby sort of stuff. What, what, what is the Kentucky Derby? I, I'm, I'm forgetting the specifics about it, but um, this is what she she claims. And and it turns out uh, Kleinstein eventually gets nabbed for some financial improprieties. I, I don't know. Are you, are you telling me that some like high up Washington, like maybe like a Supreme Court justice could be accepting like massive, um, you know, influence peddling and and even bri- like that? That seems far fetched. Even uh, bagels. Even- <laughs> so so <laughs> did you see Kagan like turn down bagels from her old like high school friends because she said like accepting yeah. gifts would be inappropriate. <laughs> So, Mike, did you see? Turn down bagels. Right, right now, I, want, I want to go to uh, Krakatoa with. Uh... Yeah. So, so five hundred thousand dollar Indonesian vacation that Clarence types. Like, can can Mike can can you pitch in? Like, what can you do for half a million dollars? I mean, wrap your head around that 
that vacation. Yeah, I mean, they were they were that is insane. They, I mean, they're on they're on a mega mega yacht. I mean, um, yeah, that that's not my um, that's not my uh typical way of traveling. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe people who who don't have to wait uh, at immigration uh, might have some insight into that. <laughs> Yeah, God, that would suck. So, uh, yeah, the the house Langley, the kind of massive, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> the the this is this is you know you you might not know this, but we live in an oligarchy more than we live in a democracy, yeah. And uh, this is how that game is played. Yeah, yeah. But th- this Lita Ford character seems to know where all the bodies are buried, huh? Lita Ford. <laughs> Back at Hunt's house, the family is playing Scrabble. Uh, to make a long story short, Hunt is a dick and ruins the game. Well, hey, come on! In his defense, I, I thought this exactly. <laughs> she was blind. She was blind, trying to a play Xerox. Noun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Xerox, I mean, she's I'm, right. Xerox, you know, it's like right. Kleenex. It's it's like it's like rollerblade. Mike Van rollerblades all over Southern California. Like, yeah, we use that all the time. This isn't Vietnam, Smokey. There are rules here. <laughs> okay. Uh, meeting Second with uh, Magruder and Dean the next day or soon after. Uh, the Senate is dropping the investigation. That turns out to not be true. Uh, Mitchell approves Project Gemstone. So they get all pumped. They are informed that uh, McCord is going to work with them. McCord. Who the hell is McCord? Second lieutenant in the Air Force during Second World War. Uh, degree from Texas at Austin, 1949. MS in International Affairs from George Washington. Worked for the FBI, then the CIA, eventually director of the Office of Security at the agency at the CIA. So very high up. That's like GS-15 stuff. Uh, retires from the CIA, sets up his own private security agency. He is contracted by the RNC for security and from there moves on to, to creep. roll creep, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so was he, was he the one who was um, asking Liddy for his badge? Yes. I think, yeah, yeah. He's he the, uh, oh, he's, he's in uh, the Seinfeld episode. The smiley guy where the like twinkling always goes off. Who's dating Elaine? I yeah, forget, yeah, I'm forgetting his name now. Oh, I'm the Wiz. Oh, I'm the Wiz. Character actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so so yeah. The we've we've gotten more. Um, you know, they're back in business. Gemstone is approved. Yeah. Uh, with half a million, what is it? I forget. Uh, I think it was a quarter, two fifty. Yeah. But it turns out the but, only part that is approved is Project Opal. Womp, womp, womp. The lamest yeah, gemstone, lamest. the least righteous of all the gemstones. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh, uh, just the bugging of the DNC. Aww. So the episode, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Ends with them and the Cubans overlooking Watergate, and one of the Cubans asks what it was. Yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, how, how are you feeling about the show so far? I'm, I'm liking it. Still enjoying. Yes. Still feel, feeling guilty for for laughing about all this, especially with the, the Che reference and just how absolutely awful these people are and how much blood is on their hands. But yada yada, white lotus, you know, Rat- yeah, <laughs> as as you as you said, the you, have lotus. To, you have to laugh. White rat hunt. <laughs> white rat. <laughs> hey everybody, tweet it, tweet it, Michael Van, Doctor Michael Van. What is what is your Twitter handle? Your, your, Michael, G. Michael G. Van, he is dangerously as an old man. He's like ninety years old, and he's out there, goddamn, risking his life in the ocean. Like, let's uh, let's uh, send him your love and support. Maybe a little uh, parental, old. like you know, like let let him know 
that you don't want him to drown himself in the Pacific. Uh, maybe when he has the, the, the old the old man in the sea, hence the beard and the sweater. <laughs> yeah. uh, check also uh, Cuba, check, Cuba, Cuba, Cuba. Check out his badass uh, surfing photos, though. Those are great. Who, who's your main guy in the water? Just cool work. I guess it just depends on who's out there during the day taking photos. Oh, photographer. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, hey, Charlie Whitmer. Um, Shout uh, out. Great guy. Retired firefighter out there. Um, yeah, he's almost 70 and he's out there swimming around with the camera. Oh, that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and germs, hit us up at Napalm Podcast on the Twitter uh, as it turns into a white nationalist uh, homepage, essentially. We will do our dutiful business. Turns into a white nationalist. Yeah, account. yeah. Uh, we will be doing our our bid and following Tucker Carlson's lead. We will be switching to the same sort of programming. Um, also, my book comes out. That's right. Next week. Um, so please, Matthew Yegel. Uh, the book is Sun Yuk Tan, uh, Khmer nationalist Sun Yuk Tan. Um, if you go to the Cornell Press page web page find the book there here is a little code for you 30 percent off whoa zero nine b c a r d zero nine b card gets you 30 percent off that book so even get the kindle it's like 10 bucks the 30 percent off makes it seven bucks we'll put that on our twitter too um but you get i think you're supposed to say burn this a after you give them the code yeah burn this huh (laughs) burn this huh um, so up. yeah, check it out. It's uh, U.S. foreign policy, U.S. foreign relations with Cambodia, roughly 1945 to 1975. So pretty similar to period of time that we're talking about now. Vietnam certainly in, in comes what? up in the book, um, and it talks about all what the U.S. and Cambodia have got going on, which might be a couple coup attempts um, and a whole bunch of other fun things. So. And, and while you're waiting for your book to arrive, you could get a little preview oh, yeah. of what's going on. If you check out the New Books Network on May 15th, there will be the debut of Dr. Matt Yeagle's interview with Dr. Michael G. Van about this Hey-o. book. American it is. We talk mostly White Lotus, but uh, we also <laughs> talk about the book a bit. Um, so, yeah, yeah, please. We'll put that link in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, we will put that link in there. Hit that like button. Hit the 57 stars, as many stars as possible. If it's only five, leave a comment that says you wish you could hit more than five. The comments are great. (laughs) Hit the like button, blah, blah, blah. I'm just supposed to say that's part of my contract with the very, very well-to-do, what's his name, Harlan Crow? Yeah. Um, Yeah, he's hooking us up big time for this. So, (laughs) You guys are getting paid? Oh, man. (laughs) We got the super yacht. We're not. That's why I'm. That's why I'm schlepping the book. Uh, <laughs> hey, are we? Are we gonna? Maybe we could do an episode. Uh, you could buy Eric's Mike. book too, I guess. Eric, hit that womp womp button yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's going to be an Indonesian version coming out uh, sometime in the future. Uh, shopping it around, um, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe in Indonesia, Van, Van and I should check in for a quickie, a little 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 ep from the. Uh, from uh, from from Indonesia this uh, this June, um, we can yeah. do that. Actually, uh, I I was just realizing, and maybe we should be talking about this off air, but I'm going to Indonesia in two weeks. I'm going to have to call in from uh, oh man, uh, other Ooh. side of the world for a couple of these episodes. If you guys want me around, well, we got twelve hours. The guy on the couch. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> couch couch guy. 
All right, everybody. Well, uh, tune in, and we'll see you. Yeah, uh, next stick week. up with uh, watch episode three, and then hit us next week. Bye. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Did you first? I bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film.